So for the next few moments, I want to talk about the fact that God is always there. Number one, and you know, God will always be there. Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But those that come to God must first believe that he is. That he's always there. When Will goes through the things that he goes through, does he think that God has forsaken him? Oh, the enemy would love to make him think that. But he knows, no, God hasn't forsaken me. This is part of the fallen world we live in. You say, well, pastor, why is it important that I understand that? Because if we don't, we will give up. Am I making sense this morning? If I don't realize that this is part of the fallen world that I live in, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to think, God, where are you? But I love that passage. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, in most of your Bibles, that passage says when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I actually was reading that one time, and I was reading it in the translation that had the comma in a different place. And I kind of liked the passage. It says, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard against him. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Master. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I want to take you just for the next few moments. We have been on a series that I started a few weeks ago, and that series is called Being Destined to Win. And we're going to be wrapping that series up in the next, uh, today or next week, uh, because I've had several people ask me, okay, pastor, I know I'm destined to win. I, I know that I'm more than a conqueror, but can you give me some, some black and white bullet points that teach me to overcome? And so after I finish this series, my next series is going to be, how do I overcome in this life? How many think that might be a good thing to hear? And so I'm going, to take you, I'm going to take you through God's Word, and I'm going to take you uh, down a, 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 a path. And I'd love to call it a yellow brick road, but sometimes it is a road that looks like it's been mortar shell hit. But the fact is, is God has been there. God knows where you are, and He knows where you're going. And you know what? Every place there is a bomb that's hit the road, or a mortar that's hit your life, God said, don't worry. I even know how to get you through that. And so that's going to be our next series. You guys think that might be a good series to talk about? Okay, so we're going to do that. But 
Right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, for the next few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about the God that's always there. We've looked at the fact that we are destined to win. And we've spoken much about his love towards you and I. As a pastor, and the years before I became a pastor, the one thing that kept me going more than anything is I knew that in my darkest time, he was still there. I knew in my greatest struggle, he was still there. And you say, well, Pastor, I, you know, I, I've gone through some of that, and I'm, I'm there right now. I mean, it's dark. I want you to do a scientific experiment when you get home. I want you to take a light bulb and take the shade off the, off the, the, the lamp, and I want you to take a piece of paper, and I want you to put it against the wall and against the lamp, and you're going to find that the closer that darkness gets to that light, the darker the shadow becomes. You say, well, Pastor, what's the point? The point is, the darker the time you're going through, it just simply means God is fixed and appears through that darkness. That light, if you put that darkness, you put that piece of paper up against that light, it won't be very long before that light burns a hole right through it. Have you ever done it with a magnifying glass? It doesn't matter how dark it is. That light will pierce the darkness. I'm teaching on Wednesday nights on the armor of God, and we're talking about the, the sword of God. Or if you talk about it from the country where I come from, the sword. There's a W in there, and I'm not sure who put the W, but you pronounce it. So the sword of God. But for you more uh, articulate folks, the sword of God. And that sword is the word of God. That's why we sing that song. This is how I fight my battles. We don't fight. It's not by, it's not by, by our own ability. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or, or fleshly or of this world, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds given us the ability to assault every thought because that's the battlefield, folks. That's the battlefield. That's why David said in the 119th Psalm, before I was afflicted, I went astray. We already gave in to those thoughts before the problems started happening. Can somebody say amen? amen. God knowing that he has always been there and is always there has been the greatest comfort that I think that has got me through everything in my life. Knowing that he has enabled me that no matter where I've been, no matter where I'm at, because I fully trust him, he has enabled me to trust where I currently reside because he is still there. And he is able to get me where I need to be. And so over the last almost 40 years of my Christianity, I have learned to develop a trust of God. Hebrews chapter 11, send your notes, talks about people who trusted God. We love the Faith Hall of Fame, which is what Hebrews 11 is called. 
But we forget that Hebrews 11 doesn't end up really well. We look here at verses 13 through 16. It says, all these people were living by faith when they died. And they did not receive the things that were promised. There's some of us that give up on God because things aren't going the way that we think they should. Even though God has promised, I am there. Said these died not receiving the promise. But they saw them and they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were just foreigners, strangers here on this earth. People who say such things, people who understand that whether the mountain comes down or the valley comes up or the, or the, the ocean or the river or the, the problem you're dealing is split open, whether it happens or not, they know that God is still in charge. So look what the Word of God says. It says that these people are looking for something better said if they were looking for the world they lived in, they could have returned. There's not a person in this room that can't give up on God just like that. You don't want to stand. You don't want to trust. You don't want to believe. You can turn back. Now, I know that's not popular preaching, but folks, the reality is we're going to go through things. We're going to deal with stuff. And I'd love to always just be able to stroke your back and say, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. No, it's not. We got a real devil that really hates us and really wants to destroy us. But we got a real God that really loves us and really wants to help and heal us. But sometimes it's not going to happen on this side of glory. That's why the Bible tells us in Galatians to not be weary in doing what's right, for in due season. You will reap. Now, folks, I'd love to be that preacher to just said, said oh, it's come here, Will. Come here, come here, Will. Come here. I'm going to put Will on the spot. It's going to be okay. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be, oh. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's going to be good. The devil's over here slugging him. <coughs> well, pastor, I'm not feeling it. Well, brother, you walk by faith and not by sight. I, I am walking. <coughs> <coughs> But God is, is still, yeah, you know, and so we sit back and say, well, why isn't God stopping it? God is stopping it on the inside. Amen. He's making him stronger. He's making him better. He's making him to where he can do what God has called him to do. And sometimes the Bible says we go through these struggles because you guys need us. Because you're going through the same thing. But if all I do is just tell them, oh, everything's going to be fine, and I send them away and say, be blessed, be filled, be gone. Pretty soon, he's going to be gone. And that's what happens in so many churches. The pulpit only talks about, oh, blessing, oh, blessing. You know, God's got this. Uh, God's got that. God's with you. God's here. God's there. God's someplace else. But don't worry about it. It's going to get better. And you die not seeing the promise. Are you all okay out there? See, God didn't say he's going to have smooth sailing. He just said he's going to have safe landing. But what happens when the enemy keeps beating? What's God telling me to do? Stand up. 
when the thoughts keep hitting, what's God tell me to do? Cast them down. Say, well, Pastor, do they ever go away? I'd love to tell you yes. But the answer is no. Well, then, Pastor, what is the point? For you to know that God's plan is greater and that God still has eternity waiting. We live in a fallen world. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And until that day when God eliminates, eradicates, and emancipates, we're going to deal with all of it. But because I know he did, I can. Because I know he won, I win. Does that make sense today? Does that make sense? I know that's not popular preaching, folks. But it helps us to know that we're not living in some horrible sin. That we're dealing with this thing called life. He said they didn't see. But if they wanted to, they could have quit anytime they wanted to. They could have returned where they came from. But they knew that was going to be short-lived. <coughs> and that God had a better, a better plan. Look what it says here. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they could have returned to it. But instead, they looked for a better country, a heavenly country. Now, because of that, they're not ashamed to be called their God. And he has a place prepared just for them. I'm going to take you this morning over the next few minutes through some of the most victorious scriptures that I think the Bible has. And they are there because God wants you and I to know that as his children, which we are through faith, and faith is an action word, Faith is not a passive word. It's not just something I say I have. It's something I live in. Because I have faith in Jesus, I have the overcoming victory and power, which we'll get into in that series that we're going to start here in a couple weeks. Are you ready for this? Psalm Psalm chapter 63. Look what the Word of God says. God, you are my God. Say that with me. God, you are my God. Now, this isn't on the screen yet, so don't anybody freak out. It's in your notes, though. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water, no satisfaction. I have seen you, Lord, in your sanctuary, and I gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. I'll lift up hands to you in prayer. For you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you as long uh, uh, with songs of joy. I lie awake at night thinking of you. I meditate you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. For your strong right hand holds me secure. Why can I go through what I go through? Because God's strong right hand. This is the picture of someone who knows that God does not give up, give in, or give out. But as we cry out to him, he jumps in, he lifts up, and he'll help us to stand out in the midst of with the victory that God has promised. 
So for the next few moments, I want to talk about the fact that God is always there. Number one, and you know, God will always be there. Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But those that come to God must first believe that he is. That he's always there. When Will goes through the things that he goes through, does he think that God has forsaken him? Oh, the enemy would love to make him think that. But he knows, no, God hasn't forsaken me. This is part of the fallen world we live in. You say, well, pastor, why is it important that I understand that? Because if we don't, we will give up. Am I making sense this morning? If I don't realize that this is part of the fallen world that I live in, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to think, God, where are you? But I love that passage. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, in most of your Bibles, that passage says when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I actually was reading that one time, and I was reading it in the translation that had the comma in a different place. And I kind of liked the passage. It says, when the enemy comes in, comma. What follows? Like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard against him. I don't know if y'all look on, you know, on Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that. This is flood time here in Arizona, flash flood time. You see this barren wasteland, but all of a sudden, like a flood, this parched desert is drinking up the sweet nectar of God's provision. Well, that's the same thing that God wants you and I to understand, is when the enemy comes in, but you got to first believe that God's there. you got to believe God is there. And then there's another part. And we say, well, I'm, I'm not expecting anything. That's your first problem. God says we're supposed to expect. Over in Psalm chapter 5, David, is said, he said, I lay my, my prayers before you in the morning. And then I wait with expectation for them to be answered. How many pray not expecting God to answer? Don't raise your hand. Sadly, most of us. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that most of us? Just simply because you're surprised when they are answered. (laughs) See, if we pray expecting God to answer, why are we surprised when it, oh, wow, that worked out. (laughs) You know, when I pray, I expect God. Now, folks, I can't put a time frame on God. I would love God. I mean, God, today, get him. I might hear another voice from heaven say, you don't know what spirit you are of. So I might have to say, God, help me in the midst of what you're going to do. Because God does take everything and reward, respond return. Am I making sense? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says if we're faithless, which is what the enemy tries to do, he tries to make us weary. Look what it says. On the, it's on the screen. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself. What does that say? What does that mean, pastor? He remains. If I'm faithless, 
he remains faithful. He is going to do in and of himself what he said he was going to do. If we are faithless, we just won't receive it. If we give in, give out, and give up, we just don't receive it. This is why God says, even when the enemy's beaten, I got to stand. No, you're not a punching bag. No, you're not a carpet. But the reality, God says, if you're faithful, ain't nothing can stand against you. It may not be today, tomorrow, next month, next year, but I'm bringing it down. Say, Pastor, why does it have to be? Because God is a God of order. And when Satan took over the reign of this world, which the Bible says he did at the garden, when Adam and Eve fell, the rule of this world went over to the enemy. And until Jesus comes back and sets everything in order, Jesus himself called Satan the God of this world. You're going to deal with stuff. I shared a story with our Wednesday night class, and I might have mentioned a little bit. How many have ever, oh, never mind, I'm not going to tell the story. It might be a little too bad for Sunday morning. If you ever cut the head off of a snake, that snake doesn't know it's dead. There's more people that die from headless snakes because the snake will still bite. And its body will still thrash. A true story happened, and I shared this on a Wednesday night, of a missionary, and I'm going to go ahead and share it because I can share it in a little PG fashion. They came home, they were, they were missionaries in a foreign country, and they came home and they found this, this massive uh, anaconda in their tent or in their uh, hut. And so they, they called the local exterminator who walked into the thing and said, yep, it's an anaconda, grabbed a machete, about five minutes later came back out, okay, it's taken care of. But you probably can't go in there for a few hours. And they heard some horrific noise going on. He said, you can't go in there because the uh, body's going to thrash around for a while. And it did, and it just messed up everything. And the, the missionary said, well, what do you mean? I thought you chopped his head off. He said, I did. But he don't know he's dead yet. Folks, let me tell you something about the enemy. The enemy has been defeated. The enemy has no authority, but he does have power, and his power is called deception. And that power is that body thrashing around, and he's going to do as much damage as he can do until Jesus comes and throws him into the lake of fire. But until that time, he's going to keep punching. He's going to keep thrashing because he don't know he's defeated. 
Oh, he thinks, okay, I lost that Calvary thing. Yeah, that was kind of a mess, you know, and he's got, he's got to keep ginning up all the demons when they have their little powwows. Yeah, I know I missed, I missed that one. I didn't see it. Did you see it coming? Hey, Bernie, did you see it coming? No, I didn't see it coming. Okay, and I kind of messed that one up, you know, but, but hey, we still got, we got, a, we got a, I, know, I know our time's lump numbered, but we still got some time, and, and uh, the devil doesn't know he's defeated yet, church. That's why we got to remain faithful. But if you don't remain faithful, God's going to still do what he's going to do. That's why we differentiate God's will and God's plan. God's plan is always done. God's will's not always done. Very simply, God's will's attached to you. God's plan's attached to God. And God's going to finish his plan. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus is crucified. uh, 4,000 years after creation, Jesus was crucified. It was already a done deal. God fulfills his plan. Isaiah 46 says that I will do what I said I would do. But your will has to decide whether I'm willing to give myself first. Am I making any sense today? So let me take you through the book of Psalms to help you understand and me understand. He's always there. Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness. Listen to this, for his name's sake. Remember, it's all about him, folks. And when we make it about him, he makes it about us. Look what it says here. Though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because you're with me. He said, I do this for my name's sake. It's about you. It's about me. But he said, because you make it about me, when you walk through that valley, don't worry. You don't have to be afraid because I am going to be with you. My rod and my staff, they're going to comfort you. You know what God is telling us? Very simply, folks, he is my salvation. He is my guide. He is my companion. He is my comfort. He is my strength. I don't have to worry about anything. I can put soul and complete confidence in Jesus because he is always there. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Psalm 27, look what it says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who should I be afraid of? Who should I be afraid of? The Lord is my fortress protecting me. Why do I tremble? Folks, let this sink in for a second. We just read through it. Oh, this is just, oh, it's wonderful. That's a blessing. But do you really understand what he's saying? Look at this. He is my light. How can darkness overcome that? Well, I'm going through a dark time. Why? If he is your light... Well, Pastor, I'm not even sure that I'm saved. If he is your salvation, what are you afraid of? If he is your fortress protecting you from all danger, why do we tremble? You say, Pastor, because we live in this fallen world. That's right. With a snake with no head that is still thrashing around. Well, what happens if he slaps me over? Get up. Some of you are going to walk out of today and you're going to say, I get it now. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, look what it says. They will stumble. 
and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, it may seem like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. He said, don't be afraid. Even if you're attacked, remain confident. Pastor, it's easier said than done. Agree with you, I do. But the reality is you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can anybody say amen? Look what it says here. He is my encouragement and hope. Oh, Pastor, you just don't understand. Uh -uh. I mean, it's pretty bad under the circumstance. What are you doing under the circumstance? Get out of there. Look at Psalm 46. Is anybody getting encouraged yet? God is my safe place and my strength. He is always our help when we are in trouble. Circle that word in there that says when. Is it in your notes, Will? Does it say when? Is it in your notes, Faith? Is it, Dan, Laura, Heather, is it? I'm, I'm still looking for that word if I'm in trouble. It's not there, is it? Not, not there. When I am in trouble. Who is he? My help. So we will not be afraid. Now, I don't know if this is in one place, maybe two places, but folks, this is an underwriting current throughout God's word. Even when the earth is shaken, the mountains fall. If the waters go wild and storm and mountains shake with action, I don't have to be afraid. You see, the place of refuge in time of trouble is God. And you know where he is? Always in our midst. When that enemy is slashing around, remember he don't have a head. He's already been defeated. But he's still slashing around. Jesus says, just get a little closer to me. I'll keep him off you. But he never stops him. Why? Man fell and gave the rule of the earth to him. God cannot violate his rules. But he's big. Yep. He's big enough to do right in the midst of the wrong. Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in God's almighty shadow. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He alone is my God. And in him alone I will trust. Pretty cool, isn't it? I don't have to. Folks, can I tell you something? I, I, I love you and I'm so grateful you respect me and you honor me and you trust me. But I will fail you. I don't intend to, but I don't have nail prints. And I deal with the same flesh you deal with. But I deal with the flesh sometimes better than you deal with. 
Only because I've made a decision. I'm going to deal with it. Are you okay out there? He alone is my refuge. Pastor Tim's not your refuge. Victorious life is not your refuge. Nor is any other man, woman of God, church of God. He alone. And he will rescue me from every trap. Say that with me. Every trap. And he will protect me from deadly disease. He will cover you with your feathers. He will shelter you under his wings. His faithful promises are your armor. Every piece of armor that we've talked about on Wednesday night, guess where it came from? God gave it to us. His faithfulness is your armor, your protection. Remember when we're faithless, he is still faithful. Therefore, don't be afraid of the terrors by night or the arrows by day. Don't dread the disease that talks in the darkness or the disaster that strikes at midday. Look what it says. Though a thousand will fall at your right hand and 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Lord your refuge, say that with me, if you make the Lord your refuge. See, there's a caveat there. We have to make him the refuge. If you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Well, yeah, but it's still slashing around. Yep, no head. It's defeated. Yes, we're going to go through stuff. But he is there. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Mm. Then I love this. He will order his his angels to watch over us wherever we go. He'll order them to hold up your hands. You won't even stub your big toe against the stone. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Pastor, I love God. Do you live for him? Because you can't love him if you're not living for him. I will protect those who trust in my name. You can't trust him if you haven't given your all to him. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be there in time of trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I'll reward them with a long life. You know, the Bible tells us he never sleeps. He always watches over us. Because he's awake at night, you can sleep at night. One more psalm, if I could, really quick. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down, you know when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Why, why do we try to get away from this, get away from that? Why do we try to skate around, to slip away? You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You know when you say, I didn't mean to say that. 
Not true. Not true. You go before me. And you follow after me. You place your blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, you're there. In the furthest ocean, you're still there. Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, you're in a tough time, you're in a dark time. God said, I still see you. I'm still watching. I'm still there. You see, Lord, to you the night shines bright as day darkness and light are the same. I, you, uh, 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 you saw me before I was ever born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O oh God? They can't even be numbered. I can't even count them as the grains of sand on the sea. And you know what, God? When I wake up in the morning, you're still with me. What's he, what's he saying? God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows everything about us. He wants us to learn him in the same way. I, I, you know what I love about the book of Psalms? Is you can read the book of Psalms, and it is the best place for examination, eradication, and emancipation. He will examine every piece of your heart, he will eradicate every portion of your sin, and he will emancipate every fiber of your being if you will trust him. But here comes the problem, is man changes all the time. Man struggles all the time. Man deals with stuff. You know what the Bible says about Jesus, Hebrews 13? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what the Bible says about God? God is the one who gives every gift, and there is no change in him. I'm going to make a statement. It's not going to be an easy statement, but it's going to be a valid statement. Whether you go to heaven or hell, God will still love you. Going to hell will hurt him. It will devastate him. But he loved you so much that he gave you that choice. Oh, it's not his choice. His choice is heaven. That's why Jesus died. But change is always man's greatest blessing and man's greatest challenge. We're always changing. That's why one day we can know that the enemy is just thrashing around. Oh, yeah, the devil, you know, he's just doing what he does, you know, but I'm going to do what I'm doing. And then the next day, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Did that work? That, okay, good. I know there's nobody here that does that, is there? Okay, I didn't think so. That must have just been for me because I've been that exact same guy. But, Pastor, you know better. Yep, and I still do stupid really well. Are you with me? Kelly, is that it?
There was a, a guy that had two small children, his wife, and elderly parents, and they lived in a house, a small house together. And it was in a village, and all of a sudden, the man just couldn't take it anymore. He said, things are just too crazy. And he says, the, the noise and the crowded conditions, they're always getting me down. So in desperation, he cries out to the, to the, the, the village wise man. And he told him about the whole struggle, and the village wise man said, do you own a rooster? And the man said, yeah, I have a rooster. He said, I want you to take the rooster in the house with you and keep it with you for a week and come talk to me. So the man thought, well, that's kind of crazy, but this is the town wise man, and he knows what he's talking about. So he took uh, the rooster with his two kids and his wife and his elderly parents, and they all lived in the house. Well, the next week he came back to the wise man, and he said, did you keep the rooster in the house? And uh, the man said, oh, yeah, but the conditions are even worse than ever. I just can't believe. And he started outlining everything, and all of a sudden he told, the wise man told him, said, do you own a cow? And the, uh, the man fearfully nodded, uh, yeah, I, I do. He said, I want you to take your cow into the hut, into your house, and I want you to come see me in a week. So now he's got the cow, and he's got the rooster. Mom and dad, the two kids and his wife, all living in this tiny little place. And he came back and saw the wise man, this wise elder, week after week, telling him of the conditions. But week after week, he had to make room for a goat, two dogs, his brother's children and family. And finally, he could take no more. And he came back in a fit of anger, kicked everybody out of the house, leaving only his wife, his children, and his parents. And the home suddenly became quieter and more spacious than ever before. And they lived happily ever after. Change is man's greatest blessing and greatest cursing. You might like something today and tomorrow it become a thorn in your flesh. What changed? You may be as happy as a camper with the amount of money you have today and just as miserable as a miser with the amount of money you have tomorrow. What changed? The devil might be thrashing around today and you're okay. But he's thrashing around tomorrow, and you can't handle it anymore, and you're going to give in, give up, and give out. What changed? See, God is always there, and God, he never changes. Now, change is good when you're growing, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, but it's not good if you're growing without God because change will always cause you to go further away from God if you choose not to keep God in the center of everything you do. Ultimately, it will lead to decay and death. Because of change, God gives us very clear direction how to live our days. The first thing he says is stand firm. Christ is the Lord over your house. Stand firm. The devil hasn't stopped thrashing. Stand firm. People haven't stopped irritating. Stand firm. The boss hasn't stopped con uh, condemning or condoning. Stand firm. The second thing he tells us to do is be established. Be established. Do not be tossed around with every preacher that comes to town, with every doctrine that, that says, well, this is the latest, greatest. I, 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 I've read 
I can't tell you how many books in my life, and I'm always enamored, not enamored, amazed by these preachers that has to write a new book about a new revelation or a new thing. I don't find God in there anywhere, but they got to do it because they've made a name for themselves, and to keep that name, they got to do something new. Well, my Bible says Jesus is always new. Every morning, and his compassions, they never fail. He said we're to be established by his grace. Third thing is we're to be immovable. Immovable. Planted. Not uprooted, not taken here, not taken there, but standing firm, abounding in the work of the Lord because we know there's nothing we can do in the Lord that's ever in vain. And the fourth thing, and this is probably could have been the first thing. Use your time wisely because the days are evil. And the enemy is trying to set you up for a fall. See, my Bible tells me in John chapter 10 that the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But God has come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Things happen in life, but God's always there. Things don't work out the way we think they should, but God is always there. What you and I have to do is we have to remain firm in him. We have to remain established in him. We have to stand immovable in him. Because only then, when time tries to unsettle us, we say, nah, this is how I fight my battles. Can somebody say amen? amen. I want to tell you about a story in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. Because there is a time where you and I will try and wonder because the enemy doesn't stop. And I want to share something with you that's a truth. God will never stop you. God will never stop you from going to this place or that place or another place. He said, I gave you free will. I've had so many people over the years saying, well, if this, if this wasn't God, it wouldn't be good. Remember there's another God in this world? And his good has a price tag. God's good was paid by the blood of Calvary. The devil can do things in people's lives. It might be a moment, momentary high. It might be a, a few-month lust-filled relationship. Oh, but it feels so good. It might be a vocation that you say, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, Put God aside for a little while, and, and, and I'm going to go do this, and God will understand. 
because after all, I have more money to, to give to the kingdom later. You ever done that? I have. And the outcome of mine wasn't good. Oh, it was a long, long time ago, but I won't go that road again. Is it okay your pastor just gives true confessions? Just kind of a transparent guy? And, and the enemy will always put danglers out there for you to wander. Come over here. I preach better. Come over here. Our programs are better. Come over here. I'll pay you more. Come over here. I'll offer you more. But there's always an end gate. There was a young man in the Bible, Luke 15. We know him as the prodigal son. And I've shared the story before. As a pastor, you talk about this a lot. Because this here is a picture of your life and mine. Where we get caught up in something because we think it was good. We forget that what God has is better. But one's eternal and one's temporal. And we want the temporal really bad. Can you say amen? We want satisfaction now really bad. We want contentment now really bad. Remember the passage we started with? Some of them died, never seeing the promise. But they saw it afar off and they said, it's worth living for. The devil wants to give it to you now because he can lift the pressure, lift the weight, lift the struggle. And God says, no. There's an old adage that says, if you play now, you will pay later. But if you accept what Jesus paid now, we can play for eternity. The Bible talks about this young man and how he was making the wrong decision, and he wound up in what I call the hog trough of life. And do we have that song on video, dear? That uh, song that I was going to do? Can you do that, Paul? I was going to play it, but I've never played the song before, and, and I thought, well, gosh, I'll just give you a, a real nice version of it. This is a beautiful song that came out. That's it, yeah. Go ahead and put the words up there. It's a beautiful song. And it talks about this young man who ran away looking for something better. But then he came to his senses and how God handled his return. Go ahead and turn it up, please. The great I am Immovable rock Omnipotent Powerful Awesome Lord That's the God we serve, church. Victorious warrior Commanding King of Kings Mighty conqueror And the only time Me in his arms, held my head to his chest, 
As the worship team comes, the Bible tells us very plainly God will never let us go through what we can't handle. The devil will always give us something else to run to. 
But God said, if you'll just run to me, run to him as your Lord and Savior. God says, if you'll run to me, Jesus is saying, if you'll run to me, the Father is saying, if you'll run into his arms, nothing. The enemy will thrash around and he'll try to hit you with everything he has. But he said, if you'll just trust me and return to me, I will take you places you could never imagine. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win.